again to the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rootwork Hour, brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. I'm your announcer, Evan Lionheart of evanlionheart.com in New Jersey, and in just a moment, we'll be joined by our co-host, Catherine Ironwood of luckymojo.com in Forestville, California, Conjurman of conjurmanconsulting.com in Mr. Viejo, California, and this week's special guest for our very special Oracle Hour, John St. Germain of johnstremain.com in Knoxville, Tennessee, bring us the topic and practice of lithomancy. They will take your calls and offer advice to address, ameliorate, and remediate your questions and problems about love, money, career, and spiritual protection using traditional African-American folk magic practices of hoodoo, conjure, or root work as divine and prescribed by the greatest spiritual hoodooists of our time. You can learn a lot just by listening, but if you're selected from among those who signed up at the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and called into the show, then you'll be on the air and receive a free consultation. We'll be going to the phones in just a moment, but first let's catch up with our co-hosts, Catherine Ironwood and Contraman. Ms. Cass? Hi, Evan. Boy, it's nice to hear the voice of happy calmness. <laughs> we've been we've been living at um, warp speed um, the last two days, and um, it's going to take me some effort to actually speak at the same level of speed that you were. <laughs> things here, things here have have absolutely. Um, exploded we're um on monday that's tomorrow um uh, terrors of the evil eye exposed goes to press in canada ah! and um, <laughs> yes and down home sex magic is eight pages away from being finished which i have to have done by wednesday when the patreon pages go out to all my patreon subscribers <laughs> and amulets charms and talismans is pages away from being completed and um um gregory papa g who has been working on the art um like a maniac. <laughs> I mean, the guy is like nonstop art guy. It's really interesting because he's sort of like, I'm not professionally trained, and boy, is he doing good. Uh, he's a very artistic guy and always has been. But he got to the end of the art, <laughs> and there's still pages to write. And, of course, Papa G is a fantastic writer as well as uh, an, an art being. And so... Um, he is now going to be writing some pages. So we'll get it all together. Um, 
we really hope we can make this deadline for the Hoodoo Heritage Festival because all of this is done in service of the Hoodoo Heritage Festival, which is September 11th and 12th. And you're like, but we're only in early July. Why are you worrying about September? Because it takes time to print a book. It takes time Mm -hmm. to um, Mm -hmm. have them schedule press time. Of course, then they have to get us the proofs. We have to make corrections to the proofs and blah, 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 blah. Meanwhile, Gray Townsend has been working on cover art. Um, last week, we made a, a debut of the three covers, but we've already changed one of them. <laughs> and the, down, the cover of Down Home Sex Magic has been revised. And, um, and, of course, it had no back cover previously, and now it does. And even as we speak... Um, Gray is making one of those fabulous composite illos that he puts in almost every book where he just takes a lot of old and new advertisements for spiritual supplies and just shows the range of products so, uh, that are available and also natural curios and amulets and charms and whatever it might be. So he's working on that page, but um, I think that's going to hopefully be done by the end of this week. So we're really in that final sprint I am no longer taking phone calls from friends. That's how my week has been. And, oh, and Nagashiva and I, on the 3rd, celebrated our 23rd sexiversary, as opposed Yay. to our anniversary. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and so, of course, that did require us to take some time off from working. And... Um, and today is the 4th of July, a day that will live in infamy. And I think that's about it for me. I, it's all I have to report. Oh, and I just have to say that um, when I got together with Nagashiva 23 years ago, I had no idea that he would turn out to be a professional-level chef. It was just an extra <laughs> added prize. I don't even think ah. he knew about it. Because when he started, he was like, how do you toast bread? And um, what do you mean, beat the eggs and pour them into bouillon and make stracciatelli alla romana? And now this guy could open a restaurant. He's so good. <laughs> and um, and I am the the sole beneficiary of this. It's a whole private restaurant for me, and I'm so glad. Thank you, Nagashiva, for feeding me. <laughs> That's very sweet. <laughs> <laughs> so... How was your week, Countryman? Oh, you know, busy. I, I just wanted to point out that it's a very Taurus and Scorpio of you all to call it a sexiversary. It's fantastic. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so happy yes. sexiversary to both of you uh, and, and many, many more to come. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, been, mm-hmm. it's, been a, it's been a wild, wild uh, week. Starting off just in terms of uh, client work, uh, I'm all booked for July, so I'm so sorry for a few people who have reached out. It looks like your your button isn't working. No, the button's working. It's just booked. <laughs> the button works. I promise you the scheduler works. I'm just entirely booked. I only have two reading slots, and they're in August. Um, and I think I might wow. be booked all the way. With Besides them, I might be booked till September. So just bear that in mind. I apologize in advance for people who think that the system has shut down on them. No, it's just I'm, I'm all booked up uh, with clients. They go by really, really fast. So if you're interested, I think I only have two in, in August. All of July is booked, and I think all of September is booked. And speaking of, of readings, 
I, if there was something that happened this week that I'm just like, sometimes being an oracle, being a seer, and both you and, and John St. Germain and Evan, you, and of course, not you all can attest to this. Sometimes things are just too literal. If you remember the beginning of the year, I gave the year a name. It's called the year of the broken road. And just yeah. this week, I was reading about how hot it was in the Pacific Northwest that roads are literally cracking open. Oh my gosh, you are so right. And sometimes, I mean, you can, you all test this. Sometimes you do a reading and you think of it almost metaphorically. And then it Mm -hmm. turns out to be so literal. I was just the other day talking to someone. um, We were, I was doing a natal reading and whenever I do natal readings, I always combine it with whatever's going on in the world. And this person had uh, Mars in uh, cancer. And I, Mars falling. And so I was like, just be aware, Mars is going to be transiting into Leo next month. And when it does, it's going to be making some really funky aspects to Uranus and Saturn. So stay away from oil. Stay away from fires. There may be some combustion. <laughs> I said it kind of offhandedly to this client, right? As, as mm-hmm. I said, just be careful. The world is looking like it's going to combust. And now you have that hell mount that has opened up in the middle of the Gulf of Mexico because of that oil spillage. And so oh, sometimes God, yeah. being an oracle or seer, you're just like, the shit gets a little too literal. Can we please go back to figurative? <laughs> let's be, let's be <laughs> metaphor for a few months, please. Wow. wow. It's been yeah. bizarre. It's been bizarre. I, I got it. Wow, that is, yeah, that's amazing. Um, and I do remember when you said that, um, yeah, sometimes being a prophet is, um, you know, it carries that feeling like, what if I hadn't said that? Did I call yes. that into being? Yes. Yeah. You're just like, you know what, I'm just not going to, I'm only going to be predicting rainbows going forward. We're going to have rainbows and sunshine, <laughs> and it's all going to be lo- wonderful. We're Lollipop all going to live to our hundreds. <laughs> yeah, just, oh, right. 2021, why are you as wild as 2020? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Wow. <laughs> Well, that one you that one goes down for the ages, I'll tell you. Um, <laughs> things have been very, very strange out there in the outer world, which I check in with about at six-hour intervals while I'm awake. Uh, if I checked any more often, I wouldn't get any work done. Um, one of my mo- most um, favorite things is to just, you know, go check the headline news. And uh, I'm telling you, you check the headline news, and it's sometimes it's like a joke. I mean, it's one disaster yeah, yeah. after another, one disaster after another. We're looking at that, that Delta variant now, right? It's just like, oh, yeah, God. yeah. I think it's like the oh, most the most common variant in California right now. And you just kind of look at it and you go, it's a, it's a train wreck. You see it coming, and you just kind of <laughs> yeah. you just kind of watch. You go, okay. Yeah, who could have guessed exactly. that? Who could have guessed that people we're, not getting vaccinated, not wearing their masks, might make this variant become popular? Right, we're we're just overdone with shock. Yeah. Um, one of the more interesting things that uh, didn't get a lot of news. It was relatively small on the news blip, but I thought it was interesting. Uh, the arrest in Massachusetts on I ninety five of a group called Rise of the Moors. Yes, it's uh, been a while since I had heard from them. Yes, well, I I got real interested 
in it because, you know, like why are they stopping these people? Turn that they were just refueling their cars. Why did the troopers decide they got to go in and interfere and get all involved in it? And these guys were just going to um, a piece of private land that they have where they do shoot shooting training. And they made it out on news like these were black nationalists heavily yeah, yeah. armed, blah, 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 blah. If you go to their site, it's this guy named Jamal Bay, and he's an yeah. ex-U.S. Marine. And he, besides being a Moor and belonging to the Temple of Moorish Science and his version of it, and he's a follower of Noble yeah. um, uh, uh, Ali Drew and all of that. I mean, you know, he's Noble Drew Ali, whatever yeah. else. But, you know, he's a, he's a lineal follower of the old Temple of Moorish Science. Aside from all that, he just earns his living teaching basic shooting safety, hunting safety, and um, weapons um, management to people, yeah. most of whom are white and at least half of whom are women. Yeah. And yeah. you can see the video of him and here's how to zero in your rifle. And they've got this guy and they've got him on the news as he's a terrorist organization. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, this is, no, this is, this is just the next Marine who's figured out that, you know, yeah. he's a good marksman, and he's figured out how to take people into the woods and teach them how to shoot at a target safely. Yeah. Oh, every my God. Once in a while, every once in a while, these kind of Moorish temple groups pop up, and the news media always covers it in the same way, like this massive threat. I'll give you an example of what when they say a threat, this is what they do. So the, uh, the Moorish temple, when they file paperwork, they call mm-hmm. it paperwork terrorism. It's hilarious. Go and look it up. Go look up paper terror. Maybe don't paper. look up paper terrorism. Don't do that. That Google will freak out. But look up Morris Temple paperwork filing. The way they file paperwork is hilarious. They say, on this day of the sixth month of the sixth year of the fifty-five, like this whole long hours process that defies all regular paperwork convention at these particular. So they won't say which streets. They say at these particular coordinates, and they'll list the entire coordinates on there. That's it. Wow, <laughs> kind of. They have their own modus operandi. They have their own intellectual world. It's really fascinating, really interesting. Go and look up at their paperwork. It's like a trip to read. But they call that well, terrorism. This this guy, this guy um, Jamal Bay, actually, there's one video he has up called Dominican quote Dominican unquote barbershop, and it's just you know guys talking in barbershop type of context, you know, sometimes called hush talk or, you know, yeah. behind the scenes language. But there he he's giving people actual lessons on the law and the Constitution of the United States. But then he stops to explain that in ancient language the marking of vowels was inconsistent from language to language and also doesn't accord with the marking of vowels in modern language. And he explains the difference between Hebrew and Arabic and I'm like this guy should be a college professor. He's right, going on about right. umlauts and you know what I mean? And I'm like, they've got him locked in jail right now. And I'm like the guy's a, a freaking normal dude. Anyway, it just made me mad, and I really liked him. Yeah. He just yeah. everything he said made sense, um, except that there was one little quirk, which was when the troopers came out to arrest them, they flew the Moroccan flag. <laughs> yeah. which is red with a green star. This is a Moorish Science Temple of America. Uh, well, these guys are called Rise of the Moors. They they are no, a yeah, they're an offshoot set. 
They're offshoot. Okay. But they are. Now, that was founded by a guy named Timothy Drew from North Carolina, the more yeah, yeah, yeah. of America. Noble Ali yeah. Drew or Noble Drew Ali. Right, that guy. No, yeah. Noble yeah. Ali Drew. Um, yeah, so, but, yeah, they, they follow him. Uh, but when they follow him, they go to the Library of Congress copy of the um, Quran that he annotated. They don't mess around. Yeah. It's got to be from the Library of Congress. Yeah, I love these guys. Anyway, they're very fun, but they got in trouble for just for existing because yeah. black. Unnecessary, because, un, yeah, unnecessary racist fear-mongering. Yeah, exactly. It was very sad. Anyway, that's the news for, for this week. <laughs> um, now, I heard a little voice here from the peanut gallery. Welcome to the show, John St. Germain. Welcome. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I know about them because of my uh, uh, history of the spiritual church that's in my book that I'm working on. That's my uh-huh. news, the book I'm, the book I'm working on. Uh, wow. So uh, uh, I'm uh, working on a uh, biography of uh, Reverend Adele Clemens, founder of uh, Divine Harmony Spiritual Church. That's that's my news, Wonderful. I guess. Wonderful. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I uh, reinvigorated my research into her life, and it, it bore wonderful fruit. And uh, as it turned out, in order to tell her life, I had to uh, uh, re-research the history of spiritualism during her lifetime and before, and uh, that bore interesting fruit, um, and mm-hmm. uh, which led to um, research in the um, involvement of spiritualists in the uh, civil rights movement. And uh, mm-hmm. you might know that uh, they were quite active. Um, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, um, Mary Finn Davis was the wife of um, uh, Andrew Jackson Davis, who was really uh, the founder. A lot of people mm-hmm. say the Fox sisters founded uh, spiritualism, but it's really Andrew Jackson Davis. Davis, that's uh, right. Yeah, of course, he, uh, the Fox sisters were the uh, physical manifestation of uh, Andrew Jackson Davis's philosophies. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, what a lot of people don't know is that uh, the seance circle, uh, the mm-hmm. idea of Summerland and all of that, uh, Andrew Jackson mm-hmm. Davis described in his writings before the spiritual phenomenon even uh, started. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, But his wife, Mary Finn Davis, along with uh, Susan B. Anthony and uh, Mary Rutherford, was that the third one? They, they drafted the um, the statement of women's rights that became the 23rd Amendment. Um, mm-hmm. And... Uh, when they when they were signing it and writing it, they said spirit knocks were happening on the table to approve their choices. So uh, uh, wow. suffrage, yeah. uh, 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 liberation of uh, slaves, child labor, uh, all of us uh, spiritualists were at the very forefront of these movements. That's right. Uh, up to the um, the point where the uh, uh, blacks were excluded from the um, uh, American Spiritualist Association informed uh, the uh, uh, right the Black Spiritualist Colors Association. Spiritualist yeah. Yeah, America was right, yeah. it, and then they uh, that's when the spiritual church started, and uh, uh, right. so I found out quite a bit about Adele Clemens, and no one had ever researched her family. And uh, we found uh-huh. her entire family line, her entire family wow. line. And now we have them on. Uh, uh, Ancestry.com and found out lots of interesting stuff about her family, which I'll. Uh, oh, oh gosh, it sure is. And uh, have you? I just before we go on to our actual topic, which is lithomancy, have you uh, read yeah. the book or consulted the book Radical Spirits by yes. Anne uh, that's, that's Brown? Yes, 
Yep. Yeah, yep, that's very one good of my. Book. Uh, yeah. The only thing one that's of my, missing in from my bibliography. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The only thing that's missing from her book, she never mentions Pascal Beverly Randolph. Yeah. Right. And, Glaring. Which is a big oversight, but she, when she wrote that book, he wasn't as well known, you know. But all right, well, I'm looking forward to seeing the fruits of your labor because I know you write very dense, interesting books, and um, Adele Clemens is like a an interesting tip of an iceberg, you know, that just leads, in, you know, down to this vast uh, depth of information about the role of the spiritual oh church in hoodoo the role of the spiritualist church in the civil rights movement, and so forth. That's very important information. Oh, yes. It's, it's, a, it's a web that went into so many different rabbit holes. It's just incredible. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, well, today we, have a, today we have a topic. So we've got to get to our topic. It's, this is the Oracle Hour, and we're going to talk about mm-hmm. lithomancy. So lithomancy is a nice, fancy word for telling fortunes with <laughs> stones. And it also includes coins and uh, rocks and um, other, you know, little marked, you know, things, crystals, things like that. Um, There are many, many forms of lithomancy. And first of all, for those of you unfamiliar with John St. Germain and his work, John is the author of the book, Lithomancy, Divination, and Spellcraft with Stones, Crystals, and Coins. And this book came out in 2018. And John is the voice of the Crystal Silence League. He has his own podcast, the Crystal Silence League Hour. And he also has written other books, which you all might want to look up. Karmic Palmistry, Runic Mm. Palmistry, Palmistry for Lovers, the I Ching, an Interpretation, and Crystal Magic. Now, Lithomancy is kind of a companion to Crystal Magic. Because crystal magic yeah. is about the magic of crystals and how stones are used in magic. But this book is about how stones are used in divination. So if you don't have Lithomancy, it's a $9.96 page book. So is Crystal Magic. It's companion volume. And you might want to get them both because they look really nice together and they work well together. So having said that, I'm going to turn this over to John. And he's going to give us just a little overview of lithomancy, and then we're going to pick two clients. And what I was told earlier, and I want to confirm this with Evan. Evan, are you there? I'm here. Okay. Um, uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to confirm this. You you're going to pick um, clients to read for from the queue. Is that correct? I was not made aware of that. Is that what we're doing? Oh, you weren't aware of it. Okay. So, no, uh, well, then, no, how about Nagashiva? We have. We have no one in the queue at this time. Um, I'll check and see if we have any additional sign-ups. I haven't seen any yet. Okay. I don't so see that any now. Just we can get the form. It we doesn't can look do... like we have any sign-ups as of yet. Okay. So if we don't have any sign-ups from the Lucky Mojo Forum, that means people like Angela L. and Covet Gift 2, Doc Murphy, Dr. Sweets, and um, uh, I, Patricia, and uh, Miss Miranda and Miss Michael and Onyx Rose can hold up me, their me, hands me, me. and ask to get a reading. Okay, <laughs> me, 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 me. <laughs> okay. Um, so let's turn this over to John while they're straightening out that in the background, and the readings will will uh, uh, start um, around three forty. So right now we're at 3.23. Let's talk about lithomancy until we go to the readings, okay? 
Okay. Well, what could be simpler than rocks, right? You know, we have fancy oracles uh, that require all kinds of uh, esoteric knowledge. What could be more simple than rocks? And in fact, the set that I like the most are just river rocks that I walked down the river and picked up along the river. I said, oh, that's a pretty one. There's another pretty one. And, you know, these are granite and marble, limestone quartz that have been uh, picked up from the earth and tumbled over centuries or whatever um, and uh, it's my favorite set and you know I do have sets that are polished uh, picked up at uh, rock shops and places but these are my favorite set you know they're gifts of the earth right and uh, uh, I sanctified them and uh, the process in lithomancy I, I talk about how each stone is selected for a purpose you say this is my money stone you're going to go out and find information for me you tell the stone what to do and then you might smoke it in an incense uh, specifically for money you know, money draw, um, and you're my stone that's going to go out and make investigations about the love life of my clients, and you smoke it in a uh, love incense. Mm. Uh, uh, so you, you tell each stone what to do. You want to uncross all of them because you don't know what the stone has seen. Some of them, especially if you buy them in a, in a shop or on the Internet, you don't know what they've seen. And stones are living things. And I'll tell you mm-hmm. uh, something that's verified that scientifically. They They exhibit many of the life attributes of very simple life forms like bacteriophages and viruses. And, uh, and, uh, you know, Tesla was very fascinated by them, and he said the crystals were living. And uh, there was a cave called Cave of the Crystals, Cueva de la Cristales, in the Nica mine. It was found by accident by miners, and it's a chamber, and it's got the largest... uh, uh, selenite crystals in the world. Some of these things uh, weighed 12 tons. Uh, never, none of these crystals were ever broken. They're perfect. Now the temperatures in this cave were 136 Fahrenheit. All right, with 99% humidity, uh, people could only endure 10 minutes in there, or they die. Right. So NASA made these special suits so they could go and study these. Now, uh, this was uh, discovered in. Uh, uh, like uh, 2000, but in 2015 it reflooded and they can't go back in there now. Um, but uh, never before had uh, a deposit of unharmed crystals been like this. So the scientist from the New Mexico Institute of Mining and Technology, who was a speleologist, uh, Penelope Boston said she went in there uh, and spent a lot of time in there. She said there was a, a low frequency hum that you could hear. Um, that these mm-hmm. crystals were emanating, they were humming to themselves. Wow. They were hum- and there was no real explanation for this. And it was a steady... Wow. They were, these crystals were humming to themselves. They were alive. And wow. at that size, their low-frequency wow. life energy... And, you know, we talk about crystal vibrations and some of this, oh, crystals don't vibrate. They don't have energy. Yes, they do. This is proof. Mm-hmm. They were, mm-hmm. And then after a while, I guess, the crystals just got tired of all these people messing with them, and the water came in and flooded the cave, and you can't go in there anymore. So and, and, and that's, wow. that was their natural state, this hot, humid environment that um, – uh, promotes the uh, growth of crystals. That was their natural state. So they come up to the earth, uh, we find them, and uh, we know these are living things. And they, they, they transmute energy, they transform energy, they remember energy. Uh, so uh, 
this is a, a wonderful oracle. It's a wonderful thing, uh, properly um, dealt with, uh, properly treated. Uh, I've never seen an oracle that can do so much and, and give you so much information and be so accurate and uh, communicate with you uh, so perfectly. Um, Mm-hmm. I've uh, I've come to understand that um, this is uh, the Earth itself um, mm-hmm. uh, giving you information. And imagine how marvelous uh, ice crystal must have been, um, quartz, clear quartz, when early man found it. Here's mm-hmm. ice, but it's warm. How magical mm-hmm. these things must have been. And mm-hmm. uh, how the the wise people discovered their magical properties. You know, here's amber. You know, you rub it, mm-hmm. and it makes the hair on your arm stand up. You know? mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. How magical these uh, stones uh, must have been to people. And then they begin to associate them with uh, 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 dragons, uh, uh, nagas, serpents, uh, wolves, uh, eagles, uh, you know, the... I, I don't like the word archetype, but archetypal beings um, mm-hmm. and um, uh, uh, communicating with the earth spirits and things. So, um, this is a lore that was built up um, by the wise people and the elders. Um, you know, the time. oldest the oldest collection of anything, the oldest mm. human collection, is was found in the um, Kalahari Desert. And it's a collection of, I think, 22 calcite crystals. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. they estimated that the person had to walk up to five kilometers to get those calcite crystals and brought them back and put them in the cave where they lived in the Kalahari Desert. And associated with them were um, ostrich eggs, which are used and still used to this day to transport water. So you'd refer to the crystals as warm ice, but they were also seen, especially that translucent or transparentish calcite, was seen as water. And this cave area, millions of years later, is still a place where people go to do a yearly mm-hmm. festival to bring the rain. And so they had the ostrich mm-hmm. eggs, which were there to hold water. They had the calcite crystals that were there to attract water. This is the oldest human collection of anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, when we talk about lithomancy, we can note and recognize the long history of human connection to stones and sacred sites. But lithomancy is divination with those sacred objects, with the stones, with crystals and whatnot. And I think it's uh, quite fitting that we talk about lithomancy after our last Oracle Hour was on the I Ching. Because I think mm-hmm. they represent, the two represent related divination practices, but to come at it as sort of different approaches. So there's a variety of different ways that you can divide up divination, sortilage, et cetera. But one of the ways to do it is active and receptive. Not active and passive, but active and receptive. Active divination is that which involves some level of manipulation of the thing that you're supposed to get random uh, things from. So this is geomancy. Mm-hmm. This is I Ching. It might involve math. There's some active manipulation portion of it. Mm-hmm. Receptive divination is where you allow randomness to inspire you to give you insight. So this would be staring up at the clouds. It would be scrying, and it would be lithomancy. 
casting mm-hmm. out those sins, bone divination, deeply related to it. What this allows you to do is allows you to tap into that randomness, what people call chaos, diviners see as order. They see as the ebb and flow of life, of fate, of destiny, of whatever. And by casting out, whether they're shuffling cards or throwing stones, they're then able to pick out patterns. So lithomancy has a variety of different approaches to it. One is the selection of specific objects to use in the divination. So some people will only divine with ruined stones. Some people will divine only with crystals, with each crystal meaning something. Other people will focus more on the patterns that the objects will make. The stones themselves aren't that important. What matters is what patterns do they make? How do they fall on your cloth or on your, on your floor? I used to jokingly, but quite accurately, do uh, lithomantic divination with colored paper clips. When I was sure, yeah. out with friends in an office, I would gather these colored paper clips and I'd be like, gather around, gather around. I'd do this whole spiel and I would cast out the colored paper clips and then read people's fortunes with them. And they were meant to be mm-hmm. kind of entertaining and interesting until they started to become really eerily accurate. And so people were getting <laughs> more, more and more nervous when I would cast out these paper clips, right? But for mm-hmm. me, it was because I'm looking at the patterns of the paper clips. The paper clips themselves didn't matter too much. And then the third approach is a balance of the two. This stone represents a wise woman or a wise man. This stone represents marriage. But I'm also going to be looking at the patterns that they make. So there's a kind of three approaches to lithomancy. What's really beautiful about it, probably more so than a lot of the other divinations we've talked about, is the level of customization you can do with it. You gather your stones. What is it? What stone significant to you? Maybe you find it when you're walking. Maybe you find it when you're doing ritual offerings outside. Maybe you find it on your doorstep. Maybe you buy it. You build your lithomantic, you know, pool. You build it mm-hmm. yourself. And that meaning develops over time. The more you use the stones, the more you gather, the more meaning and significance you find in them. Yeah, I I agree with that a lot. There's also a similarity to bone reading in yes, which absolutely. each bone has a meaning. Teeth, all teeth mean right. biting, right? All finger bones of animals with um, grasping hands mean grasping, and all ho- front hooves of animals that just run on their hooves just mean running, right? There's a difference. Exactly. So, but there's also the difference between the grasping hand of a raccoon and the grasping hand of a human being. So you would never particularly use a raccoon's finger bone for gambling luck or playing the guitar, <laughs> but you might use a human's finger bone. So there's the the form, the shape, and the same is true of the stones. If you want to read literally with crystals as opposed to tumbled semi-precious stones or mm-hmm. river rocks, there's a there's the meaning of the crystals. And, of course, some crystals are very fragile. You have to be careful when you throw them. Yeah. But each crystal has a meaning. Amethyst has a meaning. Garnet has right. a meaning. And they don't all have the same shape. One of the wonders of crystals is they come in different shapes. So yeah. there's also other things that are considered lithomancy, like throwing stones. Paper clips would probably come under the lithomancy heading. Yep. And um, there are some, in John, in your book that are really unusual. My my favorite is the um, 
the uh, Brian Howard's gemstone reading, in which right. um, you have stones of different color, and each stone, the color and the stone has a meaning, and I love that system. Then there's another one that you do that I really, really like. It's kind of unique to you, and that is the um, uh, Horcrux method. Right, the Horcrux reading. Mm, what yeah. is it? Yeah. I want to hear about this. Yeah, the Horcrux or dollhouse reading. And yes, dollhouse. use dollhouse yeah. miniatures. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, Why don't you tell us just give us a minute on that one, okay? Because yeah, that's, yeah, that's okay. So I'll, I'll try a minute. You. Mm-hmm. Well, um, it was you. You create um, a set of objects in miniature that represent various things in life. Um, you might have a. I have like a little hot sauce bottle. I have a uh, teddy bear. I have a little book. Uh, a little deck of cards. Uh, some oracle things like a crystal ball. I have a little skull. Screwdriver, and um, um, I wish I had my set in front of me. I, I would tell you uh, quite a bit about it. Um, what they say: a little Buddha, uh, a small mm-hmm. cross. I have a small uh, I Ching coin. I have a Mercury dime, uh, and things like this. And I try to make triads. Uh, uh, like three mm-hmm. of them may relate to sports. Three of them may relate to food. Three of them may relate to uh, work. And some of these uh, triads can work. Uh, in in different ways. Well, these are laid out, and uh, uh, I think I have about 24 of these, and they're mixed up on the table, and then the person divides them into two piles, and uh, uh, the pile that they actually select is what's active in their life, and the pile that they put aside are the one or the ones that they are putting out of their life, and you read both piles. Uh, you look for the general theme of each pile. Well, then the, the pile that they put you, is put in a row, and um, you ask them the odd numbers of the even numbers, and so you push those toward them, and the ones that they actually pick are the choices they're making, and the ones that they put behind, though, are the conditions behind the choices. Uh, then they make a further division, and... Uh, these are the consequences of the choices, and then they, they keep going down until there's one left, and uh, the one that's left is the, the most, it's the most, you say, this is going to be the most important, you got you to gotta emphasize the importance that this is the most important decision of your life, pick one. Hmm. You see, it's got to be very, it's, they just can't go, okay, I'm just going to pick one, it's got to be very important, and that uh, determines uh, the course of their uh, uh, the, you know their life it's fate right mm-hmm. so um, um, that's the one you do a really intense reading on you know they may pick mm-hmm. a teddy bear but they may pick a yeah. crystal ball they may pick the hot sauce bottle right mm-hmm. uh, but it's a, a yeah. very uh, it's, it's a thing I came up with over a course of years the object selection uh, mm-hmm. Uh, we're going uh, John. John, I got to cut you off. That music okay. meant we were at the end of this section. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> you got to get the book, Thistlemancy. He's he's got it worked out. And how you divide? We'll have him come back for part two. Yeah, we'll come back for part two. Um, so so uh, yeah. Now we're going to go to our first reading. So I'm going to turn this over to um, whoever is taking charge of that. I have here in the <laughs> chat. It says first client is Kate. 727 Florida. Oh, and hi, Tony I. I just saw you in the chat. Okay, here we go. All right, well, that's going to be me, the Lucky Mojo to Root Work Hour, with your host, Catherine Ironwood and Conjure Man, and this week's special guest, John St. Germain, will be right back. 
We'll be taking calls from our listeners, answering their questions through spiritual divination, and prescribing down-home conjure remedies and remediation. Our calling clients are selected from among those who have filled out a short questionnaire at the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com. You can listen to the show online through Block Park Radio or via telephone by dialing 818-394-8535. If you filled out a client questionnaire at the forum, please dial in now to 818-394-8535 and press 1 to let us know that you're on uh, available to be on the air. We will select callers by their area code, and if your area code is announced, we would like to say hello and let me, your announcer, Evan Leinhardt, read a brief description of your situation before turning it over to our host. Now it's time to talk to our first client, who is calling from Florida and goes by the name of Kate. Kate, are you there? I am here. Excellent. Thank you so much for giving us a call. Uh, and uh, as we, uh, we are taking call, uh, callers directly from the chat, I do have your uh, synopsis. I'm just going to read it briefly for you. Kate writes, uh, she would like to have a reading about the next upcoming 90 days. Focus on whatever comes in for her highest and best intention. Uh, turning it over to you, Ms. Kat. All right. Well, um, since this is lithomancy, the first reading uh, for Kate will be done um, I think by John. And oh, this thanks. is going to Thank be you. on yeah. This is going to be on the next ninety days focused on whatever comes in from her highest and best self. Okay. Highest and best self. So you're you're looking for uh, uh a reading on uh how you're gonna be guided by by your uh by your higher beings, your inner beings. Kate, is that Whatever right information or? comes in, John, um, okay. I have learned to trust the process. So okay. you are the you have the expertise in this particular divination, and I am just going to trust it to you right now for my highest right. and best good, and be the listener observer. Okay. Well, I've got a process for you. Um, <laughs> I sure do. Oh, yeah. um, I was so excited about the uh, choosing. I realized that that's quite involved, but I thought, oh, I would absolutely be enamored to do that. I'm, I'm completely uh, ready to give you this reading. Uh, I'm, I'm going to tell you that there, there seems to have been a great challenge around you. Uh, I don't, I don't like the word negativity and toxic and all that works like that. But there, there was great, there was great challenge around you, but also great protection. And when this occurs. Uh, it's like being uh, in a there's, a there's a sense of tension basically, and this can be exhausting. And uh, uh, it's a feeling like something is about to happen, but it doesn't. And uh, this this can create uh, an inability to just relax, and uh, uh, because it feels like there's something imminent, but it it doesn't happen. And then uh, uh, you're always on a, a, a type of hyper alertness. Um, I'm mm-hmm. going to tell you that. There's a, a period where uh, there's going to be great movement in your life, uh, then a partnership uh, where you meet someone that's going to help you achieve something you've been wanting to achieve, but there's this frustration. You, you can't seem to get this can going. I, I, I want to. I got to jump in since this is about yeah. lithomancy. Rather than right. just the results, can we get a little bit of the process of the lithomancy? Because we're trying oh, to yeah, teach yeah. people. Uh, yeah. The very first okay. thing. The very first thing I have is. Um, is the wave, and the wave uh, indicates ups and downs. That's where I get the protection versus uh, oppression. Uh, it's it's a downward, mm-hmm. the downward wave and then the upward wave. Uh, so 
the downward wave pushes you down, the upward wave lifts you up. And uh, that's followed by the arrows, which shows, and, and it's on its side, uh, showing the arrowheads moving uh, from left to right. That shows the rapid movement. Uh, then we have the linked rings, and that shows a partnership, uh, followed by the sun. And that means that the, there's going to be success in an endeavor. And these are these are all touched and linked together in a uh, upward uh, chain of events, um, which means that this is going to be uh, uh, something she's been waiting for, which is a good thing. If it were a downward chain of events, it would be a decline, which mm -hmm. is not what you want to happen. Uh, now, when I reach in my bag and I pull one out, we get the uh, ears of corn which is an increase, which means that this uh, uh, endeavor is going to be fruitful. It will be profitable or fruitful. Um, you know, from this, I would, I would think that this is a, a new business venture, uh, a, uh, a, a, uh, uh, something that you put uh, your, your uh, time, energy into, and it comes back uh, like corn does, very rapidly and uh, multifolded. Um, so, okay, this is uh, this is what I see for you, just with the stones. It's very quick. Uh, in a longer reading, I would say I've been doing a lot of talking. Now it's your turn to talk. But so um, I hope some of that was good for you. I hope it made sense to you. Yeah. No. Let's, let's just have a little bit of background on this. These were Patricia Crowther's witch's runes, which is a stone right. runic. A stone. It's not really runic. It's called witch's runes, but it's just images, and they're, on, right. they're painted on stone. We've put a link in the chat log telling you how to see them, and they're also on page 52 of the book Lithomancy if you want to look at them. And Doc Murphy, our resident um, paganista, says, "Oh." Patricia Crowther was one of Gerald Gardner's first initiates. How cool. Yes, in fact, it is the same Patricia Crowther who came up with this system of stone reading. That is absolutely true. And I expanded them a little bit. I added a few more symbols. Um, yeah. And uh, it's in the book uh, Lid, Lid Off the Cauldron by Patricia Crowther and uh, a very dear friend of mine who went by the name uh, uh, Brother Shadow, uh, introduced me to them with this gorgeous set that he made. Um, he made a beautiful set of them and uh, mm -hmm. only made a few sets and he uh, sold them to a few people and I thought, oh, these are so enchanting. And then, um, mm -hmm. of course, then I saw uh, Patricia Crowther's and, uh, oh, he made these beautiful sets of them. And uh, uh, I've made mine in uh, uh, imitation or in honor mm -hmm. of Brother Shadows and I added a few uh, pieces uh, from my own preferred method of divination to mine, which I describe in, in Lithomancy, if you want to pursue that. And, and are you selling sets of these stones? No, and I'll tell you why. Um, I cannot make a set that will hold up under uh, repeated tossing mm -hmm. where I can retouch mine. You know, I could just mm -hmm. get out paint and retouch mine. I wouldn't sell a product where uh, after, you know, say 100 castings, all the paint would knock off mm -hmm. of them. So I, I don't mm -hmm. sell them. I don't sell them. Maybe you could get someone to engrave them like those chakra stones. Someone could engrave them. Um, I, you know, but after I... Uh, have someone engrave them and I paint them, I'd have to sell them for like $200. I don't, just don't think it would be worth it. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, you know, it it's be a worth wonderful it. system of reading. And this was a very clear reading showing, you know, this wave of three stones that were together and then this one, the ear of corn, says, um, invest in something new. Go to something. Something's going to grow for you in this next 90 days. It's a lovely 
um, a mm, lovely mm-hmm. reading. I'm very fond of those stones. Again, the, the, to understand uh, Patricia Crowther's system and Brother Shadow's system and John's system, you want the book Lithomancy, and it explains it very, um, very well. All right. Um, well, um, let's see. We have um, a second reading, and that, I think, is going to be uh, Contraman Ali. So can you do a reading on uh, using lithomancy for Kate? Yes, absolutely. So I, I'm going to do it a little bit differently. I have coins with me, uh, a set of coins, they're each in coins, that I'm going to, you can hear, I'm shaking them up, and I'm going to toss them onto a cloth. This is an, a cloth that is divided up into 12 houses, the wheel of the year uh, related to astrology, and that helps me to narrow down topics and whatnot while also reading the coins. I'm going to just... Off them onto uh, my cloth here, and now reading the cloth. So the first coin that really stands out to me falls into the sixth house. The sixth house is the house of healing and uh, health. So I would recommend getting some type of physical or health check. Um, this is a coin that has come upwards. Generally, when that is uh, when the coin is up facing, uh, we relate that to uh, issues of blood, the genitals, womb, etc. So get some type of physical done, whatever whatever you know, normal checkups are. Make sure that you reach out to a doctor, reach out to somebody who can help you. The other coin falls into the eleventh house of a helper. So this is the next kind of connection here that there will be a helper that is made available to you. Again, this is heads up, likely going to be a male, perhaps a surgeon, a doctor, or a healer, but somebody who will help you with this health matter. There is going to be something that shows up in this health check. It looks to be relatively minor, not too major here, but it does show up and will require treatment or an adjustment of your regimen. And this person uh, in the 11th house is going to be your ally, your helper, who will step forward and help you through this process. So look for a helper here. Now, uh, the way that, that my uh, little cloth is set up is that there's a little ring inside that shows the zodiac as well. So I'm actually going to read the zodiac in addition to the coin, and it looks like this falls in the 11th house of Taurus. Now, why is that significant? Because that will tell you a little bit about your helper. Your helper will likely be a hard worker. They may have some type of bovine connection. They may have cows in their office. They may have a surname that re- reminds you of, of, of the word cow, um, or they may uh, wear something that, that looks a little bit cow-like or bull-like. But this is an active healer, someone who is going to be able to blend natural regiment changes, discipline changes, as well as modern medicine. Uh, and this is going to be crucial for you to find. You should do some type of root work in order to draw this healer, this helper, into your life. The next coin, now it's interesting, the other coins all fall outside of the ring or inside the ring, so they don't actually hit any of the houses. Only three hit the houses. The third one falls into the 10th house. Now, this is significant. The 10th house is the house of treatment, generally in any type of medical reading. So this is an indication of how will your treatment go. Again, the coin is heads up, indicating a positive result with success. 
So I see a minor health issue that shows up. You should follow up with some type of actual checkup, a physical with a doctor. Make sure that you get some type of blood work done. Make sure that you get a full examination done. That this will lead to the discovery of something relatively minor. It could be something like, you know, you're anemic a little bit or something, or your, you know, iron's a little bit low. It will require some type of regimen change, a little bit of treatment. A helper will be made available to you who will be crucial to seeing you through this, but you will be successful. Now, the pattern that the coins fall in is also interesting because that tells us a little bit about what you should be doing. And so there's sort of an upside-down triangle. It's actually a little bit at an angle here, but this would recommend to me candle magic of some sort. Some type of candle magic perhaps designed in an upside-down triangle fashion, and Kat can give you that root work advice on what you can do in regard to that, but candles to draw a healer, candles to detect any type of health issue, and candles to give you some form of help support is what I see based off of my coin reading. So that's what I see here very quickly uh, on the uh, coins and the uh, uh, house chart that I've cast it on. Slightly different from reading stones, but a form of lithomantic reading that combines the symbolism of the random drop along with a specific pattern of the houses here. Turning this over to Kat for some root work advice. All right. Wow. Okay. So um, I'm going to give you a little ceremony to do, and it is based on what Ali said of the three stones falling in a triangle. So I'd like you to have um, to get three stones. Now, and you're going to get three uh, candle holders, or you can get three flat pebbles. And I'm going to explain about stones and pebbles and crystals and the meanings of all of these. Many people only prefer crystals. Some people like rough tumbles, or not rough, but um, smooth tumbles that are a gemstone tumble. Some people like unworked stone. And some people like flat river rocks. And flat river rocks, you can get them at craft stores. You can also get them at pet stores, where they sometimes come under the name of turtle rocks or reptile rocks, depending on how big they are. And they're just used to to uh, provide a little lining for a reptile environment. Um, If you get the very flattest kind, which some people back in the day used to call Japanese river rocks, although they come just as much from California, and they are whitish, grayish, and blackish, and they are flat. And you probably know what I'm talking about. You've seen them all over the Internet. You're going to want one of each of those. And you can put a tea light on each one. The tea light will just sit on it. You don't. You could melt a candle to it, but I want you to use these stones as the basis for the three um, things that were being spoken of. Uh, both John and Ollie spoke of an ultimate success of something, you know, um, being successful at the end. But there's some tension. There's some change going to happen. And Ollie spoke specifically also of the possibility of getting a health checkup, which many of us have failed to do regularly because of COVID. So just get a health checkup and make sure everything is okay. He mentioned a downward pointing triangle, which is the usual symbol for the female pubic hair pattern. So I'd like you to do a downward pointing triangle. That means the point faces you and the two other points would be above and away from you. Okay. So you're going to put the three stones. Now, you could use three crystals if you have three crystals. You could use three flat stones. You could use three pebbles. But I want you to use three stones. And one of them, the bottom one, is going to be those things that are under you that are going to be um, taken care of. 
The um, one at the left, that would be the 12th house one. The one at the left will be the helper who will help you. And the one at the right will be your ultimate um, success, the win that you make. And I want you to um, lay those stones out and um, think about them. Think about um, any trouble that's going to happen, any discovery that's going to necessitate remediation, any helper who will help, and then ultimately the success, the pushing through, the ear of coin, an investment you might make uh, that will prove to be good for you, uh, an uplift in your life after these waves that uh, John had seen earlier, too, the waves of tension and possible trouble. So you're going to light those three candles. You light the bottom one, then the left one, then the right one. And you say a prayer for each of those conditions. It's a very simple spell. Uh, rocks and stones and crystals often um, acknowledge and respond to the very simplest prayers. You don't have to address them as high and mighty Lord, ruler of all creation. I bow before you in supplication that you may make my burden lighter. You just They're friendly. They're just rocks. Okay? So you put your hand on the rock, you hold the rock in your hand, and you say, you know, this rock, you be this for me, and this rock, and so forth. And uh, and help me, right? And then you put the candles on them. Like I said, you can either melt a little four-inch candle or a birthday candle onto the rock. But I prefer not to do that. I would just balance a tea light on each rock. And you light the three candles. Say your prayers. May this next 90 days be uh, a time of learning and a time of benefit. Now, there are 90 days. And so each uh, candle will represent 30 days also. And you can look at those candles and how they burn. If they burn smoky, if they burn clear, it'll give you some divination from the candles as well as from the stones. When the stones, uh, are the, or when the candles go out, take the, the uh, uh, candle holders away, and um, you're going to take those three stones. And I want you to put them. They shouldn't be too big, right? Um, and put them in a little um, box. And you can put that box away somewhere. That's a situation that has been handled. If the situation ever comes up again, you've got those three stones, you can do it again. If they were little pebbles, and you can do it with little pebbles, you could carry them in a, uh, a little mojo bag with you during the 90 days. That's one way to handle it. If they're bigger, you can also put them in a potted plant where they become decorative. Uh, you can put them outside your house in the garden where they become decorative. Never throw away the tools that you have used in magical spells. Keep them with you to always remind you of the work you did and to keep them working for you. For instance, those three stones in a potted plant or even in a if you have a, an aquarium and you have fishes, put the three stones in the aquarium. And that they will serve you and work with you because one of the things that stones do that's different than other forms of magic is they have a very long memory, as was explained, and that memory will stay with them for the entirety of your lifetime. They won't forget the work they did for you. Okay. Anybody wow. else have any, anything to add? That was a fantastic, fantastic explanation. Okay. All righty. Well, I I hope that um, Kate has a good 90 days and comes out of this 90 days with a, a clear way forward. 
All right. Now we're going to uh, have a little bit of announcing and then go to our next client. Absolutely. So let's imagine who to root work hour with your host, Catherine Ironwood, Conjurman, and this week's special Oracle Hour guest, John St. Germain, will be right back. Support for this program is provided by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and located online at luckymojo.com, and by the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers, AIR, a directory of ethical and authentic conjure practitioners, located online at readersandrootworkers.org, and by Hoodoo Psychics, the first psychic line run entirely by Hoodoo Practitioners. Receive a reading with a trusted root worker instantly. Call 1-888-4-HOODOO or visit hoodoopsychics.com. And by the Christmas Silence League, a free online prayer service of the Association of Independent Spiritual Churches, located online at crystalsilenceleague.org. Now it's time to go to the phone and talk to our second client, who is the lovely Doc Murphy calling from Minnesota. Uh, Doc Murphy, hmm. are you there? I'm here. Can you hear me? Excellent. Yes, we can. Uh, thank you so much for giving us a call in. And I do have your synopsis here, so I'm just going to read that briefly. Uh, Doc Murphy writes, I just got laid off after only having a job for six weeks. I'm sorry. Um, this happens a lot. I work for employment and prosperity, and it bounces off usually forces outside of my control. My friends have a GoFundMe going to help, but I am sick of not making a living. What is happening, and how can I break this pattern? Turning it over to you, Ms. Kat. Hmm. All right. Well, Doc Murphy, I'm so sorry. Um, after only six weeks, and um, wow, um, I have a, a, a question about this. Um, the kind of um, work, primarily intellectual work, is that true? Primarily, it is. It's primarily intellectual academic work. But I got a job this summer uh, to get me through the summer helping uh, administer COVID tests at the airport, and. Really, the reason we got laid off a lot of us is because, frankly, it's the uh, the vaccines have been incredibly successful, and uh, people hmm. aren't coming in to get tested as much anymore. So the state of Minnesota let's go. And uh, I mean, that's good. We want the pandemic to be over and, and for people to be healthy. But um, after a rush of hiring in May for all of us, hmm. um, we first got our hours cut, and then within a matter of weeks, so, it just got dropped. So I've yeah. got nothing right now. Yeah. Yeah, so I see it wasn't anything that you did or anything. It was just that the the job by its very nature was self-limiting. I understand. All right. Yeah. Well, what I I would like, um, uh, if it's okay, uh, have Contraman Ali do the first lithomancy reading for you. Sure. And then we're going to go to John, and he'll do the second lithomancy. And, again, I will give you some root work advice. So take it away, Contraman. Well, uh, hello, Doc Murphy. Uh, nice chatting with you again. Uh, and I'm so sorry you're going through all this. Uh, hopefully we can kind of pull our heads together and figure it out. So like last time, or like our last reading, I'm going to be casting these coins. So I'm just going to shake them up real quick and throw them onto uh, my uh, little cloth here. And okay, so we've got a bit of an interesting pattern that shows up. So the first coin that has fallen, I'm just going to read this sort of left to right, if you will. The first coin has fallen in that first house, but on the border with the sort of 12th, and it's upside down. This speaks to some level of confusion of figuring out what the path is ahead, sorting out your options. The first house uh, generally refers to the self, and the 12th <laughs> house refers to hidden matters. The fact that it's on the border of there is an indication that 
you're trying to figure out what the hidden forces are here that are messing up your finances. What, what is going on here? Why are your options the way that they are? Why do they manifest this way? So there's an element of confusion, an element of trying to figure it out, an element of trying to sort through this mess. The fact that it's upside down indicates that uh, insight is not always readily available, but it takes a little bit. You might need to rely on regular readings from a trusted colleague or something along those lines to help you kind of through this process. Now, what's interesting is that two coins have fallen into the second house and two coins have fallen into the 10th house. Literally the question you're asking about, finances and job. The 10th house in medical uh, work is generally about treatment, but in just general refers to profession. So it's very, it's interesting that the coins are really reflecting in many ways the question that you're asking. Now the two coins that are, uh, that have fallen into the second house that speak to your wealth are a little bit tarnished. Now I don't polish my coins. They're, I've just been using them for ages. So these are a little darker than the other coins. They're a little bronze colored. These have a little browning on them. So this generally would indicate that wealth will show up later rather than immediate. It's not an immediate, but it's a little bit later. And that wealth May, may be a continued source of discomfort and, and frustration for you. But these two coins are in turn related to the two coins that have fallen in the 10th house. In the 10th house, these coins are overlapping a little bit. So it's almost like one is on top of the other. Uh, this does indicate that there is not the environmental factors around you are not positive. On one instance, you should be aware that there are those around you that may be envious. I don't see an outright curse or you're doomed in that regard, but I do see a little bit of an evil eye situation here. That one coin on top of the other, um, that is, that's a little bit telling for me. It indicates that when you have success, try to keep your success close to your uh, chest. When you are making moves, make some moves in the shadows rather than out in the open because it seems like there are those who aren't evil, who don't wish you harm, but there's an element of envy and an element oh my of, God. of worming away at your good, worming away, eating away at the positive there. That coin on top of one another really speaks to the sort of maybe backbiting or envy. There is an issue here that can be affecting it long term. This is why there seems to be an ongoing problem is that there is there's someone in your sort of social circle or in the orbit that isn't you know, conducive to your successful set. There is a final coin that falls into the ninth house, which would indicate some form of travel might be required or that for your new endeavor, um, and that will likely be the way forward and help you out of this situation. So there's going to be some physical movement or motion that is going to be uh, required. It has fallen up, so the outcome is going to be positive. Now, the overall pattern here, is a lightning bolt looking up thing. So from the ninth to the tenth to the first to the second, it looks like a little bit of a lightning bolt that has been shot, which this indicates to me is that these are sudden disruptive changes, that they are environmental also to a good degree, and that they may be related to what we call spiritual climate. Um, I know you've had a, a, a astrological readings in the past. I would encourage you to do a more in-depth reading of either a natal reading or a life path reading, something that actually gets into it because there is an element here that seems more cyclical than anything else. Um, 
So check, check your birth chart. There may be something going on there. Check your life reading. There may be something on. There's something that is environmental that is contributing in addition to that sort of evil eye that we see. So that's what I see in my lithomantic coin reading. I'm going to turn this over to John St. Germain, who will do your next reading, followed by Ms. Cat, which will give you some root work advice. Thank you. Oh, my goodness so gracious. <clears throat> my goodness gracious. I, I can't. Uh, believe my, my reading follows yours, uh, Congressman Ali, so closely. Um, uh, Doc Murphy, I'm gonna, I have uh, the birds right side up. No, I'm sorry, the birds upside down, the arrows pointing downward. I have uh, gestation, which is uh, the spermatozoa going diagonally. I have the waves diagonally, the black stone above. Uh, the spermatozoa and the waves, and beneath it, touching each other, is the snake and the scarab sideways. Um, if I were to begin this, uh, the birds upside down uh, uh, indicate downward movement, uh, in a, in a, like, like a flock of birds going diving to the ground. Um, uh, this shows a, a downward tendency, um, very rapid downward tendency. Force is moving you downward. Uh, uh, the four arrows is the wind. Uh, blowing from below, uh, which which sort of traps you. You can't move backward. You can't move forward. You can't move up. You can't move down. Uh, if you if you've ever seen seagulls uh, poised in midair, uh, it's kind of like that. No no forward movement. Um, the uh, uh, the gestation, the, the spermatozoa moving upward diagonally means though your creativity is on fire. You just have idea after idea after idea after idea. And the waves diagonally, um, uh, the waves move you along, but this is a diagonal wave. It means for every step forward, there's a step backward. The black stone from above, the black stone uh, basically is misery. Um, the creativity is not bringing you joy. You're not receiving fruits from your effort, and, and there's an oppression. So what is it? Well, the answer, the snake and the scarab. The scarab is magic. The snake is a rival. Uh, Conjurement Ali talked about jealousy, evil eye. The snake is a rival, and this is magic. So somebody uh, is almost following you around, making sure your success uh, doesn't bear fruit. And I would look very carefully um, at who I would trust. Um, and I would be very cautious about who I tell what I'm doing, who I, who I give my idea. Somebody's taking your creativity and using it to benefit them. Um, and this can be done with energy. There, there are spells that can actually take your success and uh, apply it to them. Uh, people can steal blessings. People can steal prosperity. People can steal creativity. I would, I would just be very quiet about what I'm doing and not tell anyone else. When you talk, you give energy. Um, when you post on internet, uh, you're giving away things. I, I don't say anything on social media. I just post a bunch of silly stuff. Um, I keep my stuff close. Nobody knows what I'm up to. Um, so I would be very careful about this. Um, uh, the snake and the scarab together, that's somebody, uh, you know, the snake is an evil person, a rival jealousy, and scarab is black magic. Uh, I think somebody is following what you're doing and blocking you, and why are they doing it? I don't know. Um, uh, somebody who feels they have a grudge against you? Um, 
somebody who feels you may have injured them in the past. It could have been a work rival from long ago. Uh, I don't know. I'd be very careful. Um, but All I would right. just be, be very quiet. All right. Well, I'm I'm here to to um, confirm that John doesn't post about himself. He posts about his cat Figaro. Mm-hmm. Let Figaro take and, the hit. <laughs> <laughs> and you also have a dog. Um, yeah, Evie. Evie, that's right. He posts about Evie and Figaro. Um, and Evie's a black dog. <laughs> yeah, and and and, and uh, that's right, a black dog. And Onyx Rose says, "To will, to know, to dare, to be silent, you have to do that." Doc Murphy agrees in chat. Um, so yeah, now I'm going to give you some root work advice, <clears throat> and this is interesting. That scarab and, and snake kind of spoke to me, and also the pattern that. Um, that Ali said was like a lightning strike. And that reminded me of the tarot card of the tower. And um, and that is a a strike against the person who receives the uh, the hit. So I think that um, a scarab is a great um, idea here. The scarab is an animal that you know rolls dung and uh, makes a little ball and hatches out into little baby scarabs, and it's a symbol of the sun. And it's a symbol of of light and joy and magic. And the snake, pretty universally, you know, it can be wisdom, but it usually is the sneaky snake. So let's talk about some root work and what you might want to do with the root work. Well, for one thing, there are a bunch of roots that have the name snake in them. One of them is black snake root. And black snake root is used for protection, also known as black cohosh. And I think it's a good root to have. There's another root with snake in it, rattlesnake master. Well, that sounds exactly like what it is. It's a root or a plant, actually. You can use the stems or leaves of it that are uh, for the mastery over snakes. There's another snake root called Samson snake root. And that is used for powers, used by men, but also by women. There are a number of roots that have the name snake in them. And my feeling is that you want to make yourself a little um, bundle with some chips of that of these various snake roots. And it's going to be for your protection and to repel the evil eye in the bundle. You're going to put little shards of mirrors. You take a mirror, just crack it with a pair of pliers, wear goggles, don't get glass shards in your eyeballs. And um, you can also, if you want to, put in some snake shed, you know, the shed skin of a snake. And you're just going to put this little packet, but the little pieces of mirror, the little shiny bits, are going to reflect everything back that was sent to you. And this is going to be just a protective bundle. I wouldn't make it much bigger than my thumb, um, you know, as long as my my thumb joint. And, uh, you know, it's very small. I'm not talking about making a large, you know, mojo that you're going to put in your bosom. And... Um, you know, it's, it's, if it's as big as your thumb, because it's going to have mirror shards in it, broken mirrors, when you break the mirrors, now they always say breaking a mirror brings bad luck, you're going to take those two pieces of um, 
snub-nosed pliers, pliers and break those little pieces of mirror, which you can get from a compact or any place like that, and you're going to say, um, may all my enemies be put to flight, right? And may all, may all who are jealous be confused as you break them, because you're calling their name into it. You're not letting it break your luck. Right? Now you're going to put all of that together. Some people are like, oh, I don't know why the mirrors, oh my God, glass shards, I could die. And I go, all right, crumple up some aluminum foil, but it won't be as powerful. <laughs> and um, you're going to put that together, and I want you to put it in leather because it has glass shards. So you want to get a little doe skin or deer skin bag. You know those little tiny neck bags? That's what you want to do. And uh, sew it closed, whip stitch it closed. And um, and that it will be a protective amulet or talisman for you to wear. Um, and it can be very small. You don't want it to be seen. You just want to wear it somewhere on a long leather string down in your bosom is a good way to do it. Um, this is not to get the luck you need for finances. And I think you know enough about Lucky Charms. I know that you know this stuff. This is to repel the snakes. This is to get rid of the snakes that are around you, the snakes in the grass who are, uh, you know, bothering you. And um, that's that's my idea of a good spell that will be helpful to you. I'm concerned because when someone is talented and um, gifted as you says, oh, I always have this bad luck, I always have this bad luck, after a while, there's this idea, was, were you born under a bad sign, or are you surrounded by cross conditions? And so I'm, I see that the readings indicated that there was some, what we might call some evil eye. Now, it so happens that you could also wear a scarab charm. You can go find a scarab. But if you do, try to find a scarab bead that's made of blue faience. Because that's not only a scarab, it's anti-evil eye. If you want to, and it's a bead, you can put it on the outside of your little bag, and now you have the scarab rolling the ball of the little leather bag. I tend to make little clever arrays like that myself. You can make a bag, for instance, out of two discs and sew it into a kind of a ball shape and then put the scarab bead on it. And now the scarab has rolling away all of the, the despair and things, and you've got a little pocket piece, or you could wear it as a necklace too. Okay, so um, and it, make it a blue scarab. You want a blue scarab bead, and uh, mm. because the blue scarab is the scarab against the evil eye. All right. Um, does anyone have anything to add to that? Just real briefly, um, I do think that there is some an enduring component. I mentioned this in the chat. Is that life reading is really important here. But part of that will be developing some type of active and ongoing work. So whatever remediation you have, whatever is discovered, maybe it's every time there's a full moon you have a problem or every time, you know, there's, you know, mm. July comes around. Mm -hmm. Whatever timing issue is going on, whatever weather, <laughs> incremental weather problem there is there, you might have to develop a sort of ongoing remediation. You might need, for example, a wealth altar or some type of offering to an ancestor, something that's ongoing that addresses that, and that will help to shift the flow away from scarcity and poverty towards wealth. So that's what I'm saying. There's going to be what has been recommended here is fantastic, but there's going to be some type of like ongoing altar work that's going to be uh, required here to kind of shift mm -hmm. that energy, shift that flow. 
Okay, that's really true. Um, and as I and I kind of shorted that, I said, well, you know how to do prosperity. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. that, is so, that is so true. So good, good idea. A wealth altar, and uh, put up those job notices, you know, on the altar, light um, candles on them, and so forth. All right. Thank you all so much. Well, yeah. Good luck, Doc Murphy. Thank you um, for entrusting us. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for coming on the show. Okay, next up, we're going to have our announcement schedule network, or backwards, our network schedule announcement. The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rootwork Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Ollie, Sundays, 3 to 4.30. The Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays, 5 to 6. The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix Le Fay, Fridays, 1 to 2. And Blue Flag Root Radio with Lady Muse, Fridays, 7 to 8. All time specific, add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. And now it's time to go to our free sauce segment. Sorry. Now it's time to go to our free sauce segment with John St. Germain of John St. Germain. Take it away, John. <laughs> oh my goodness gracious! Um, all right, um, this is a, a kind of a double spell for uh, getting uh, illness and um, disease out of your house. Uh, the first one, you get a fragment of brick, and um, you uh, you write whatever condition you want out of it, out of your house uh, uh, that you want to eject from your house. And you write in red pencil on a fragment of brick whatever um, condition you want to eject from your house. By the way, this works with unwanted guests who um, I just helped a client with that. And you you pray over the piece of brick, and uh, the prayer you want to use is Psalm 18, verse second and third. Then you drive past a busy intersection, you know, a crossroad, right, where a lot of traffic goes by, and you toss the brick out of the window. Uh, you don't want to use the whole brick, uh, just a fragment. Uh, because uh, you don't want to, you know, you don't. Someone might be in the bushes. You don't want to hit them in the head with a brick. Uh, you toss the brick out of the window into the brush or the roadside, uh, and um, that's pretty much it. You know, you say, "Leave my house, leave my house, leave my house" three times if you want to. And uh, the other one is, uh, uh, this is to keep it from coming into your house to begin with. You arrange three red jasper. Uh, in a triangle on a plate, and right in the middle of that triangle, you burn a red candle, uh, a vigil candle, uh, with the second pentacle uh, of Mars, uh, either on the side of the candle or under it, or you can uh, burn a vigil candle to St. Jerome, and you pray the evil or illness be banished from your house during the duration of the candle burn. Uh, Red Jasper protects the root chakra. And uh, the second pinnacle of Mars, of course, wards off uh, illness and evil influence. And uh, either one of those, and when you're through, you can carry those Jasper in a bag if you want to. They're very energized at that point. Wow. That's a a really nice one. Uh, I just put... um, 
It's very simple. I just put the two uh, verses of Psalms 18 through the chat. I'm going to read them out loud here for those who just can't look up their Bible right at the moment. Um, uh, Psalms 18, 2. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. 3. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from mine enemies. So that is the psalm you read over the fragment of brick. Very nice. Um, I'm already singing, uh, uh, you know, the the Lutheran hymn. Um, you know, I'm the mighty fort, the mighty fortress is yeah, my God. Right. I only know it in German, right? It's in from God. <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah, that's the one. Uh, mighty fortress is our God. That's where that came right. from. That's right. Mm-hmm. All right. And um, that's right. so that's that's lovely, very lovely. Okay, um, I I love these very um, impromptu stone spells because mm-hmm. one of the mm-hmm. things that happens when you burn a candle, the wax is all gone, the flame has yeah. gone out. If it was um, if it was in a uh, candlestick, you got to clean the candlestick out because it's all full of sooty, gummy wax. If it was in a glass tube, you've got to recycle the glass tube or bury it or whatever. Uh, if you work with herbs, you know, they eventually dry up, wither, and blow away. Um, if you work with roots, they'll last quite a while. Um, but if you work with a bath, down the drain it goes, or you throw it out into the yard or to the crossroads mm-hmm. or wherever you're going to take it, but when you work with rocks, they're right there. They don't go anywhere. They yeah. don't go anywhere, folks. They're rocks, right? They can be the prettiest little things with little fossils in them that you can just stare into, or they can be just old chunky pieces of brick. They don't go anywhere unless you move them and put them someplace. They're rocks. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. imagine doing a spell, and this is just my addition to the idea that um, that John had had. Imagine that you lived in a neighborhood where you didn't like all the neighbors. Imagine getting a whole lot of decorative rocks <laughs> and praying Psalms 18, 2, and 3 over each rock and putting each rock out in the front yard along the fence line as a perimeter. Pretty nice, huh? That's a good one. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I love um, that. Yeah, you know, there's a lot you can do with rocks that you can't do with other things. One of the most interesting things that I know to do with rocks is to use rocks from different locations. In other words, um, if quartz, white quartz or clear crystal quartz is not common where you are, uh, you'll often, walking down old neighborhoods, you'll find people will have white quartz along the path to their house. That represented that time they went out and and went in the Sierras and, and went prospecting for gold. And they didn't find much gold, but they sure found some good white quartz, you know, and they brought it home. Or you might be in a place where there's no river rocks, but you go and someone has a fireplace external to the house, and it's made with river rocks, even fancy ones, jasper and things like that, or serpentine. And you go, that was a person who carefully collected those rocks. So collecting and knowing the meanings of them and look in that book crystal magic can help you directing the rocks stones and crystals that you work with magically and um 
I just, you know, I, I'm an earth sign, so why not? You know, it's mm-hmm, like a, mm-hmm. you can also, and here's another thing. People bury things that are dead. They bury bones. They bury dead bodies. They bury last year's floral tribute in the compost heap. But if you bury stones, what are you doing with them? You're just letting them be in the earth for a while. And you can always dig them up again later, and they'll be just the same as they always were. So another thing you can do is use stones, which you empower, and lay them under the ground. Now no one sees what you've done, but you know where they are under the ground. And it was well and often understood and said by California native people of the Ohlone, the Chumash, um, the Miwok, the Pomo, that stones traveled under the ground like earthworms. They just Mm. wiggled their way around under the ground. And a stone you put one place, 20 years later you went to dig it up and it had moved under the ground. Do you know about the moving moving stones? No, tell me Uh, about the moving stones. Oh, Oh, yeah. Oh, gosh. Uh, in um, one of these state parks, um, there are these big monolithic stones, and they move at night. And, uh, Death Valley. Thought, yeah, yeah. So you know what I'm talking about, right? Wow. And, Neat. Um, yeah. Well, we're out of time now. Damn, we've run off you again. I'm so sorry. I do know also about the moki balls that come pouring down at night. That's another moving stone. They come down with Well, these, these are huge. You know, they weigh tons, and they move at night. Really? I mean, significantly move. Wow. Neat. Well, they figured out why they move. You know, it's not magic, but they do. They move at night. Is it because of heat and lack uh, of It's because of ice. Ice. Wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, nature is wonderful. We're going to turn this over to Evan. He's going to give us our final little bits of announcement, and then we're going to come back, and we're all going to say goodbye like a chiming chorus of chimpanzees. <laughs> thank you, Ms. Cat and Tondra Man, and thank you, John St. Germain of johnstgermain.com in Knoxville, Tennessee, for being our guest this week. Join us next week for our uh, special guest, which will be Ms. Michael of Hoodoo Foundry on designing effective cells for all occasions. The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour is brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California. You can find this chat via the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and Conjurman at conjurmanconsulting.com in Mission Viejo, California. I'm your announcer, Evan Lionheart, joining you from evanlionheart.com in New Jersey. The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour can be heard every week live on Block Talk Radio at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, and the shows are available in archive via luckymojo.com forward slash radio show dot html. For all of us at Lucky Mojo, I'd like to thank you for being here and invite you to tune in once again next week at the same time when you will hear the familiar strains of the Memphis Jug Band playing the Jug Band Waltz. Thanks, everybody. Goodbye. Thank you Goodbye. so much. Remember the Hoodoo Heritage Festival, September 11th to 12th. 2021. Remember the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com where you can get links to and listen to every episode of the Crystal Silence League with John St. Germain or this show and several other shows of the past You can, and Blue Flag Root Radio and the everything. It's all there at the forum. Ask questions, we'll answer them. You can follow me on Facebook, but even better, become my patron on Patreon. And um, I don't think I have much more that I can say, so we're getting to the end of the song. 
And here come the goodbyes. <laughs> Good night. Goodbye, all. <laughs> Good night. Good night. Bye-bye.